0: Church Bibles, we're on page 833. And we're reading from Colossians 2, verses 6 to 15. Freedom from human regulations through life with Christ. So then, just as you received Christ, just as you received Christ Jesus as Lord, continue to live in Him, rooted and built up in Him, strengthened in the faith as you were taught and overflowing with thankfulness. See to it that no one takes you captive through hollow and deceptive philosophy, which depends on human tradition and the basic principles of this world, rather than on Christ. For in Christ, all the fullness of the deity lives in bodily form. And you have been given fullness in Christ, who is head over every power and authority. In him you were also circumcised in the putting off of sinful nature, not with circumcision done by the hands of men, but with the circumcision done by Christ, having been buried with him in baptism and raised with him through your faith in the power of God who raised him from the dead. When you were dead in your sins and in the uncircumcision of your sinful nature, God made you alive with Christ. He forgave us all our sins, having cancelled the written code with its regulations that was, against, that was against us and that stood opposed to us. He took, he took it away, nailing it to the cross. And having disarmed the powers and authorities, he made a public spectacle of them, triumphing over them by the cross this is the word of the lord thanks be to god
1: i'd like to invite jonathan up um and at this time karen will be leading uh, a session for kids through the doors at the back which will remain open so please come and go as you as you like let's just pray for jonathan father god we we thank you for jonathan we thank you for the the time he he put into this talk and i just pray that the time that he spent with you, Lord, now just flows from his mouth. It is your word to your people. Amen. Thanks, Nick. Thanks all. Um, so we're in Colossians. We're carrying on our journey through this letter of Paul to the church in Colossae. And a few weeks ago, when I began this series, um, I gave out a a bookmark with a seed stuck to the bookmark. And the seed represented the gospel and the hope we have in Christ. And just this week, a member of St. Barnabas sent me a photo of their seed, which they'd actually planted, and it had just started to to spring out, a a bit of growth. And then a few days later, they sent me another photo with it having grown even more. And uh, at first I thought, well, My intention was, you know, stick it on your fridge as a visual reminder of the message. But um, I just thought, actually, that is really great. Because if we've got the gospel, then things start to grow from it. If we've got the gospel, things start to grow. And I want to build on uh, this planting analogy this morning. As we look at those verses we've just heard from Colossians. Earlier this year, I planted in our garden at home... um, a a sapling, it kind of looked a bit like a twig, and I'm not really an expert in these things, I think it's a silver birch, I'll find out as it grows, Um, but the good news is it's actually grown, it's now um, three times as high as it was, Um, the trunk, if I can call it that, is about twice as thick, Um, it's got some delicate branches and some leaves, so it's growing, it's a picture of growth. And something these wonderful verses from Colossians speak of. Verses that speak of our Christian life being rooted, strengthened and built up. If you wanted to commit some verses to memory from Colossians, then those first two verses we heard, verses 6 and 7 of chapter 2, are some pretty key verses. You could actually argue that they contain the essence of Paul's whole message to the church in Colossae. Um, They're great words that are relevant for us today as well. They could serve as a a mantra or a life goal um, as we seek to live out our faith. I just want to read them again. It says this, So then, just as you receive Christ Jesus as Lord, continue to live your lives in him, rooted and built up in him, strengthened in the faith as you were taught, and overflowing with thankfulness. What great verses? Highlight them in your Bible. Put them on a post-it note next to your computer at work. Stick them to your fridge door. Learn them, remember them, but most importantly, live them out. Like a seed that becomes a sapling and starts to grow into a tree, Paul wants the Colossians to continue with Christ and to continue in Christ, to, as it were, over time become like strong trees with deep roots in Christ, with a thick trunk of faith and big branches of thankfulness. Hear those words again rooted, built up, strengthened. That is what will happen if the Colossians continue to live their lives in Christ. Where Christ is at the centre. Where Christ is the Lord of all. And you know what? The same applies to us. Let's just dwell on those verses a little bit further. So then, just as you received Christ Jesus as Lord. What's Paul doing? He's saying... Colossians, go back to that point when you first believed, when you first said, Yes, Jesus, you are the Lord of my life. When you realize what it meant that Jesus died for you. When you realize what it meant that Jesus is alive, that he is the Lord's. For me, it takes me back to when I was 19 and at university and attending a, a course where, you know, the basics of Christianity was being explored and explained. And I then began to understand what the cross, what it's all about. Jesus died for me, that he loves me, that he's alive. And at some point during that time, I bowed the knee and said, Jesus, I believe. You're the Lord of my life, and I'm going to follow you. Paul's doing that for the Colossians. He's saying, go back to that point when you first believed. Go back to that point when you first said, Jesus, Jesus, It's Lord of my life. Remember that. Remember how you felt. Because at that point, you would have felt, you know what? I don't need anything else but Jesus. I don't need anything else but Jesus. He's taking them back just as you receive Christ Jesus as Lord. Continue to live your lives in him, rooted and built up. Keep going in that faith. Keep going with Christ. Strengthened in the faith as you were taught. Last week, last time, talked about maturing in Christ and the importance of sound biblical teaching, that it feeds us, it nourishes us in the faith. He's saying, remember what you were taught back in the beginning. Remember that teaching. Grow in that. And lastly, overflowing with thankfulness. It's kind of like the branches, you know, if you look at a tree, it's, you can't see the roots, the trunk's not as interesting, but it's the branches and the blossom and the fruit that catches your attention. And for us, the Christian life is to be one of thankfulness, giving God thanks for what he has done for us in Jesus, as we've been just doing in our praise and worship. If we continue in Christ, we will go deeper with Christ and in Christ. There will be a depth and a strength to our faith. And it will be a faith that is more like a strong tree than a little sapling. So, back to my garden. The the sapling has grown, much to my amazement. It's actually doing pretty well. I'm pleased with it. But it's still fragile. Still got the plastic protector around the trunk still got a wooden stake in it next to it to help it grow straight and upright. And in a couple of years, it won't need the plastic protector. It won't need the stake. It will have deeper roots. It will have a thicker trunk. It will have stronger branches. It will be able to withstand uh, a storm or a child (laughs) or a dog. (laughs) But for now, though the growth is good, it's still pretty fragile, Okay could easily be knocked over, blown over, even uprooted. And Paul knew that the same was true for the Colossians. They were young in the faith. They were growing, they were growing in Christ, great, good news. But they were more like saplings than fully grown trees. He knew they were in danger. And he needed to warn them against moving away from a life in Christ. Let me read verse 8 again. He says, See to it that no one takes you captive through hollow and deceptive philosophy which depends on human tradition and the elemental spiritual forces of this world rather than on Christ. External forces is what could ruin my, my little sapling in the garden. A fierce storm could blow it over um, it could easily be sabotaged, snapped in half in a matter of seconds or uprooted in no time at all. You could probably just pull it out. There were external forces at work in and around the church in Colossae that had the potential to destroy these believers' growth in Christ. And it was a serious issue, it must have been, because of the strong words Paul uses... See to it that no one takes you captive. He doesn't say that no one just leads you slightly astray. No one takes you captive. He doesn't want the Colossians to be trapped, to be prisoners, to be ensnared by some other philosophy or teaching. That is something other than living a life in Christ and the freedom and the joy and the peace and all the other benefits life in Christ brings. So what are these philosophies or teachings that the Colossians were being exposed to? Well, much ink has been spilt in the commentaries as to what this could be and how it was arising. But it's all from kind of what we can infer from Paul's letter. Very much a case of reading between the lines. Um, Some of the commentators say that there was actually false teachers in the church who were teaching something other than in, in Christ or in Christ plus this. Some argue that. Others argue that it was actually not what was going on within the church, but actually outside and around the church. And it was powerful and influential ideas in the society of that time. Even though the former could have been possible, I'm actually going to work on the basis of the latter, that it was philosophies not within the church, but actually within the culture of first century Colossae, since I think that actually has resonances for us today. Paul warns the church not to be a prisoner to a philosophy that depends on human tradition and the elemental spiritual forces of this world, rather than on Christ. I don't know when you heard that read, you thought, what on earth does that mean? That's what I thought when I read that. What on earth does that mean? Elemental spiritual forces. What's Paul getting at? Well, one of the commentators said that elemental spiritual forces can also be translated as the basic principles, the basic principles. And the basic principles are the, the basic building blocks for any form of human investigation. So let me just give you an example to hopefully to try and make it a bit clearer. So take astronomy and astrophysics. The basic principles is the sort of scientific understanding of how stars and planets are formed. Nothing wrong with that. But then a philosophy comes along and attaches meaning to these basic principles. So in the example of stars and planets, you get astrology. So the stars suddenly have some sort of meaning and uh, bearing on your life. And control your future, destiny, luck, fortune. It's all written in the stars, so the philosophy says. Do you see what's happening? A philosophy springs up, a teaching springs up with its own experts and teachers. That is treated with respect that almost amounts to worship. The study of stars and planets is something mutual but then it becomes something else in astrology, something which is negative, restricting, and ultimately an enslaving belief system. And Paul, he detects that there's actually some unseen powers at work beneath all of this, beneath this teaching, beneath these philosophies, powers that are not about freedom, but about being enslaved, being captive. being in bondage. And isn't that exactly what the devil wants? You know, the devil's not some, you know, little cartoon character with red horns and a pitchfork. You know, the devil in the, in the Bible, as the Bible teaches, is, is a spiritual being who is nowhere near equal to God. He's not a god. He's a created spiritual being who opposes God and wants us to not worship God, and he'll use anything, anything to stop us from worshipping God, our Creator. If it's worshipping the created, that's good enough for him. Anything but God, anything but Christ. So there's an unseen power at work. Let me give you another example money. The basic principles of money is, um, or the basic building blocks, is exchange. Because. It's easier to exchange with a currency than it is for us to be trading in sheep and chickens or some other animals, or potatoes. Okay, so, so money, um, there's nothing wrong with money in and of itself, it's just a means of exchange, currency. It's neutral. And economics is the study of how, how, how money works. But from these basic principles, you then get ideologies and teaching about the accumulation of wealth. The pound, the dollar, the euro is is worshipped. It's given a status it should not have. Again, something neutral, the basic principles of exchange becomes something which can be negative and enslaving. And I ask this, are there not unseen powers underneath economics? The love of money is the root of all evil, we hear in, uh, in Paul's letter to Timothy. Not money is the root of all evil, but the love of money, the power which can enslave us. A few more examples, um, the study of nature, from this springs up the philosophy of mother nature, that natural processes in the world have a kind of will or power of their own. If you take this a bit further, you get the New Age movement, where forces of the earth are are worshipped. What essentially is happening is from a neutral study of the earth arises a negative, deceptive philosophy that gives divine status to what's been created other than the creator. I think, though, for us today, there is a more subtle teaching and philosophy, and it is that of consumerism and materialism. Now you might get someone who says, you know, I'm, I'm into new age, or I, I'm into feng shui or something like that. You're probably not going to get someone who says, I'm really into consumerism, <laughs> you know. I found this thing it's called materialism, I'm, I'm really into it, you know, I've been reading enough about it. It's much more subtle, consumerism and materialism. Is, is, is basically the message in our prevailing culture that the more you have, the more you consume, the more you can get, the happier and more fulfilled you will be. And yet, it proves to be empty. Because the more you get, the more you want. And you're never satisfied. I know it, I've experienced it. I'm sure we all have. We find ourselves... Getting trapped by this unseen power that says, you know, you've got to get more, you've got to get more, then you'll be satisfied, then you'll be full. The problem is it, it doesn't satisfy us, it doesn't bring us that happiness and joy we, we we desire. It's deceptive and hollow. That's what Paul says, doesn't he? Verse 8. Deceptive. It offers something attractive, but essentially it's hollow. It's empty. It does not bring fulfillment or fullness. He goes on in verse 9 For in Christ all the fullness of the Deity lives in bodily form. And in Christ you have been brought to fullness. You know, this teaching, you know. Goes against what others, Jehovah Witnesses will teach that. You know, Christ was a bit like God, but he wasn't, you know, he wasn't God. Here it teaches us in Christ all the fullness of the deity lives. Jesus is not a third God, he's not a little bit like God, he is God. And in Christ we have access to all the fullness of God. In Christ you have been brought to fullness. What's Paul saying to the Colossians? He's saying, if you've got Christ, you've got everything you need. Fullness, fulfillment is found in Christ and nowhere else. Now, but if we move away from a life in Christ, or we move to a life of in Christ, plus we need to do this, this, and this, then we're kind of becoming like a tree that's in danger of being blown over or uprooted. Like a little sapling that's not growing in Christ, but is in danger of being blown over by the wind of any other teaching. And not only does it leave us empty, it also leaves us feeling condemned. Because a life without Christ means... We cannot live as God intends. We become, as the Bible says, we become indebted. It's like we build up a a pile of debts. That we're not living the life God has called us to. We're falling short of who God has called us to be. We're walking in our sins and in our transgressions. And we build up this debt. And it condemns us. It convicts us and it condemns us. Just to, by way of illustration, um, I have once received that, that letter where you open it and you think it's just a bill or something and it turns out to be um, you've been caught driving you know, 35 or whatever in a 30 speed limit. And, and the letter convicts, it's there before you. It says you, you've not met the standard. You've stepped out of line. You've messed up. It convicts us and it condemns us and it is there. And just as I was preparing this message, I had a real sense that there might be someone or some people here today who just feel like, you know what, behind the smile and the facade, I'm in a real mess. I'm in a real mess. And my life's in a mess and I I don't know where to go. And I'm really struggling. I'm in a mess. Whatever it may be, it might be finances, it might be relationships, it might be just in your spiritual life. You just feel, you know what, I'm in a mess. Behind the smile, I'm in a bit of a mess. If that's you, then I want to say, hear this message. Hear this message that we've got to turn to the tree. Not to the sapling in my garden, not to a seed in a plant pot, but to the tree at Calvary. We've got to turn to the tree at Calvary, because at the tree at Calvary, that is where we find we're not condemned. And that is where we find... The powers at work, these unseen powers at work in the world have been defeated. Have been defeated. Hear these words from the end of our reading. Verse 13b He, Jesus, forgave us all our sins having cancelled the charge of our legal indebtedness which stood against us and condemned us. He has taken it away, nailing it to the cross. Imagine me holding that letter which convicts and condemns. And Jesus comes along and he says, let me have that. Give me that. I'll deal with that. And he takes it and he nails it to the cross. He says, I'll do that. I'll pay that debt. It's your debt, but I'll pay it. I'll take it from you. Let me sort that. I'll do it for you. You know, if you're feeling condemned this morning, whether it's from a a voice within or from, from the devil, or whatever it may be, then just know that Jesus, he comes and he takes all that condemns us and he nails it to the cross. I'll deal with that. I'll deal with that. He nails it to the tree. So we're no longer condemned. We're no longer condemned. And secondly... Jesus, at that tree, at the cross, is victorious. He defeats these unseen powers at work. The final verse from our reading. Having disarmed the powers and authorities, he made a public spectacle of them, triumphing over them by the cross. He defeats these powers and authorities that can have a grip on our lives at the cross. Let me just uh, give an illustration to, uh, to help explain it. Just imagine your team wins the European Cup. It's not hard for me to do. Um, but what happens afterwards is, you, you know, football team, they win the World, they win a European Cup, or, or maybe it'll be uh, England winning the Rugby World Cup, OK, if, you, if you're into rugby. And what happens afterwards is you get the victory parade. So the team, in an open-top bus, goes around the city, the, the crowds are celebrating and cheering. They lift, lift up the trophy to show we're the victors. This is what we have won. Now, it would be in pretty bad taste if the losing team was made to follow the bus behind and applaud them, wouldn't it? It would be in pretty bad taste. Okay. Well, in, Roman, in the, the Roman times, in you know, the first century, and the Romans obviously did, did a lot of good, and a lot of good for our country with the, with the roads and uh, the canals and everything else. But um, the Romans were also good at doing things in bad taste. And so when, they, um, when they'd had a victory, what would happen is the, the general would ride through the streets, and a bit like the open-top bus, and he would make a public display of the prisoners and all the booty, that he had captured in his latest campaign. And the sight of these bedraggled captives and slaves staggering past the crowds was there to demonstrate that the general had defeated them. He had broken their power. And Paul uses this imagery in that last verse of our reading to say actually Jesus is demonstrating that he has triumphed, he has broken the power of these powers and authorities, these unseen powers. And he's done it at the cross. Which is really bizarre because it's like a paradox. The cross was the Romans' way of torturing people, of crucifying people. Yet here, it's sort of turned on its head and it says that actually the cross is the moment of victory where Jesus declares publicly through his death that he has broken these powers, broken these unseen authorities. So for us, if we feel we're being led astray, we're we're being held captive by something that's other than a life in Christ, we don't have to stay in that state, because Christ at at his cross has broken those powers. He has set us free. So to wrap up, to sum up, but this tree... In this tree of Calvary, we find the hope that we too can grow strong in the faith, that we too can grow in the faith of Christ, that we can grow from being little saplings to strong trees, as it were, with deep roots in Christ, a thick trunk of faith, and branches of thankfulness, giving thanks to God. Let me just read those verses again to finish. So then, just as you receive Christ Jesus as Lord, continue to live your lives in Him, rooted and built up in Him, strengthened in the faith as you were taught, and overflowing with thankfulness. May that word dwell in your hearts this morning and in the days to come, and may that be embedded may it grow, that it becomes a living reality for you and for me. Amen. I think the band are going to come back up and...